Welcome on back in the Sling Sports Podcast. Your host, Jake Finnerty, your co-host, Wally McKean. Wally, back to our normal recording day last week, recording on Thursday, and immediately put it out, which the fans, you know, they probably didn't even notice because, yeah. you know, it was a quick turnaround, but uh, back on our Wednesday schedule here. That was record timing between the two of us. That episode was out, what, two hours, not even. I, w- I probably would have said, like, an hour, if, yeah. if that. After finishing recording, um, we're getting pretty good at this podcast thing now that we've been doing it for a little over a year. But as you said, back to the Wednesday, the regular day, give it a night off for the whole sports world to blow up overnight like it always does. Yeah, uh, you know, this time we had only a minimum of about you know about an hour, an hour and a half uh, in between when we missed uh, huge storylines. We usually have like a full day and. Uh, stuff blows up on Wednesday night, and we're like, wow, of course, after we started recording. <laughs> but uh, no, we did not see a lot of that this week. Um, but with this week, we're going to stop, take a halt on the sports real quick. We're going to talk about ourselves. How is your week, Wally? What is your highlight of the week, whether it's last week, what's coming up this weekend? What do you got? I've got a, uh, I've got an up and down uh, for, for the highlight of the week. Um, so I'm going to do two things. First and foremost... Two of the uh, three other people that I lived with, it is their birthday this week and uh, this upcoming Saturday, so celebrating their birthdays, that's been a highlight. Um, Just want to throw that out there. Happy birthday, Ryan and Trevor. Um, But what I wanted to say is my girlfriend is going to Memphis, Tennessee for the Club Gymnastics Nationals Tournament. Um, I don't know what the official title is. I'm sorry, Haley. But my point is, she's going to Memphis. I don't know if you're familiar with this. But there's a, I saw there's your a, I saw your picture. The there's other a day. there's a pyramid that is in Memphis. Um, that it's is the, now a, a Bass Pro Shops. It's the it's the eighth wonder of the world. It is. I, it might it very much is. And I was doing some research on it, and I think that this building is fascinating. It used to be the home of the Memphis Grizzlies and the University of Memphis basketball team, and now it's a Bass Pro Shop, and it's so awesome. And my potential highlight of the week. I'll get back to you guys next week when Haley returns from Memphis. I want a T-shirt. From that Bass Pro Shops, but I don't just want a Bass Pro Shops t-shirt. I want something to do with that pyramid. I want some pyramid Bass Pro Shop merch. That is all I want. The potential highlight, and then I gotta see it myself you, one day. You better, you better wear it next I week if you, I'll if you if you acquire that. If I get one, I will be the happiest boy alive, the happiest podcaster to ever live. I know that was a very long highlight. No, no, we, we like we that, that's the that's the whole reason we do this so the well, viewers can can get to know <laughs> what, what we're about here. I love pyramids in Memphis, Tennessee. <laughs> that's the point. What about you? Yeah. What do you got? Um, myself, uh, my girlfriend. I mean, I do not have a significant other at the time, but uh, is not going to Memphis. Um, <laughs> I uh, I have a big event coming up this Friday. Well, obviously this Saturday, of course, celebrating Trevor's birthday, <laughs> and and last week celebrating Ryan's birthday was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this Friday I have an event coming up. Uh, with the radio station, they are hosting a big event at a bar here uh, in Syracuse, uh, wow. Ch- Hungry Chucks. Um, so if you're in the Syracuse area and you want to come out, party with Z89 Friday night. I'm looking forward to that. They're doing giveaways, a lot of a lot of stuff. So um, I'm expecting that to be a, a fun night. Uh, I like hanging out with uh, everyone at the radio station. You know, it's like our little family there. So uh, looking forward to that a lot. What time does it go until? Uh, it's 10 p.m. until 2 a.m. All so right, so basically, Trevor, basically, Trevor can be there for the last two hours yeah. of it when well, the clock strikes midnight. I can't. I guess I could say this, but uh, the the bar is allowing underage people in to start, but they can't. They out. can't drink because yeah. you just you just you could hang out there. Oh, well, that's But uh, so if anyone wants to come. 
we could you know set up oh, set up a little well, Friday good. night. Yeah, yeah, that helps yeah. out little me. Yeah, for yeah. people like me and our other friends. Oh, so uh, maybe That's maybe you got something news. to do Friday night yeah. if you don't if you don't oh, have a, if you don't have any plans. Uh, with that being said, we're gonna head into the sports. We're gonna get some speedy slings and the women's final four being set as the first one: Iowa, LSU, South Carolina, Virginia Tech. Yeah, and speaking of things to do on Friday night, if I don't end up going to Hungry Chucks for your <laughs> event, this is what I'll be doing, watching this Final Four. Um, it is a bit of a killer that Iowa is playing South Carolina, Yeah. Um, and that's not the national championship, and that's not to discredit LSU or Virginia Tech in any way. And I will talk about both of those teams. It's a total offense v. defense clash, which I absolutely love. Usually defense prevails in those scenarios, but not always. LSU won their Elite Eight game 54-42. to Virginia Tech won 84-74. to That's a 30-point swing between the two of them. Looking forward to that. And then, of course, the main one, Iowa-South Carolina. South Carolina undefeated. Caitlin Clark on top of the world. We're going to talk about her plenty more later in this episode. Versus Elia Boston, uh, one of the best women's basketball players. One of the best basketball players, period, in yeah. the country right now. Um, Boston dropped 22-10-5 in the Elite Eight. We can talk a little bit more about Caitlin Clark later on, but um, so excited, so awesome. It should be a very, very big slate this weekend for for the women on Friday, um, and then is their national championship is Sunday, correct? correct. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so we're we're weaving in between. You yeah. got the women Friday, Sunday, and the men Saturday, Monday. Yes, we do. Good weekend. Uh, one week out from the Masters, of course, I had to throw the golf in there. Um, a few golfers trying to get their last minute invite to the Masters here. How do you get that? How do you get a last So there are specific qualifications for the Masters, and I knew you were going to ask this question, yes. so I pulled up the full list. I'm ready. There's Educate a lot. Me. There's a lot, but I will. I'll go through some of the highlights. I'll go through got. most of them. Um, if you won any of the four majors in the past five years, the Masters, five the U.S. Years. Open. That's a wide range. The the Masters, the U.S. Open, the British Open, the PGA Championship. Okay. However, if you are a Masters champion tournament. Or uh, Masters tournament champion, I said that backwards. No matter what, you have a you have an invite. No matter what, your entire uh-huh. life, your entire life, you will cool. be invited to the Masters. I like that. If you won the Players Championship within the past three years, you get an invite. Uh, let's see. Uh, some of these, I'm just gonna skip through a little bit. Uh, the first, the top twelve players, including ties in last year's Masters, and then the top four players, including ties in the U.S. Open, British Open, and PGA Championship. All get, uh, all get invites. If you're a top 50 golfer in the PGA right now, you get an invite. Um, it's it, there's a wide range, but also, um, you know, winning a lot of these uh, PGA events can squeak you into that top 50 range um, and get you that invite. How that many you people? Were how many people are we looking at in the Masters? 50, 75, 100. The pool is probably. Over, so over a little, 100? a little over a hundred. Wow, I didn't realize maybe, it was that big. Yeah, I guess there are a lot of masters out there, but there can only be one. Well, there can only be one each year, but there are a lot of masters. <laughs> um, my my pick for a final invite here is Ricky Fowler. He's been hot within the past few weeks. Beat John okay. Rahm in match play last week. Um, if he wins. He's in basically. He's the, he's the guy on the cusp right Sounds now. Sounds good to me, Ricky. Hope <laughs> so you get the job. If he if he gets it, are you picking him for the Masters yep. next week? Because I'm gonna, I'm going to ask you next week who you got for the Masters. I'll do tournament. my research. So you got to do prep. a little bit of research. I'll prep for next week. I can all do right, that. all right. Uh, the NFL starting off with the NFL this week, which is a bit, uh, you know, uncharacteristic of us. Mm-hmm. But we're going to start off, kind of going chronologically here. Uh, two six billion dollar bids matching the bid needed for the Washington Commanders 
within this pa- within the past two days. Uh, one being spearheaded by Magic Johnson. Yeah, and both of us pretty much wrote the same thing. Just get Dan Snyder out of there. That's yeah. all we care about. I will say it's kind of funny, though. I saw an interview with Mike McDaniel today. I don't know if you saw this. And he found out that the commanders were for sale for $6 billion, and someone put that money up. And he said, wow. And I had to pay for my coffee. <laughs> Daniel was an assistant coach there from 2011 to 2013, I think. And Snyder couldn't fork over free coffee for his coaching staff. Wow. Um, and that was going for $6 billion. But both of us would agree the entire world, not even NFL world, the world, just get rid of Dan Snyder. Don't it's, put him near. You know, anything. very, very happy that this is looking to be the end of Dan Snyder in the Washington Commanders franchise, um, in, in the, the NFL, NFL, anywhere. Any, it's yeah. it's going to disgust me, though, that this man has six more, $6 billion more dollars just because of selling this franchise. Yeah. Uh, Lamar Jackson announcing he requested a trade from the Ravens on March 2nd. Yeah, I want I want what you have written there. I think it segues well, nicely. You know, it's segueing in. Washington Commanders, why not get on it? Uh, you have Sam Howell as your quote unquote starting quarterback right now. Um, you know, head coach Ron Rivera saying yesterday, amid all the rumors that they're they're confident in him, why not take the chance on Lamar? There are rumors floating around even before this offseason. Lamar has a big chance to get to Washington. Um so I think they should try and take it and do what they can to get Lamar in there. Uh, they can be a quarterback away, and I really think that they are. They're a talented team uh, on the, their, their offensive roster. Their defense, solid, but still needs a little bit more work. I think if you get Lamar in there, you're in a good spot going forward. But having Sam Howell there right now puts you in uh, a very bad position. I think there are probably like 25 teams in the NFL that should seriously consider trading for Lamar Jackson. And none of them are going to do it. Yeah. And if one does, I don't really care. I'm not wasting my time with it. But I will say Ron Rivera did publicly address yesterday that they plan to ride with Sam Howell and they're not going to go after Lamar Jackson. Um, is that a good idea? No, I don't really care. You got one game of Sam Howell. Yeah. I saw one game of Jake Fromm in 2021 with the Giants. I said, hey, maybe he'll be good. I saw one game. Maybe he could be the guy. Um, I quickly just want to talk about Lamar, though. Um, he announced that, that he wanted to trade. Announced it on Twitter, like three weeks after March 2nd. Um, I don't think it means anything. He could have requested the trade in October. In my opinion, it doesn't make a difference of him getting traded, what teams are going to do with him. Um, I will also say, I found it a little interesting that he went out of his way to tweet about his uh, PCL injury that he suffered, and that's what held him, kept him out for the end of the season. We discussed this in, like, January when the Ravens were in the playoffs and people were saying Lamar should play, he's a wuss, and we both agreed, and a lot of people agreed, don't take the RG3 route, do not ruin this man's career, still young, was still on his rookie contract at the time. Um, You don't, like, Lamar doesn't need to prove anything in terms of injuries. We know what he is capable we, we of. Know, we know what we get with Lamar. Yeah. Um, I don't think he needed to be on the field at the end of the season considering, no. like, you don't want to risk your career because of that. Um, I thought I think it's a bit odd. Lamar is just going out and tweeting all these things. Yeah, I um, I've a seen weird I've too. seen a lot of people saying that he should stay off of Twitter. Very public. Um, I kind of agree. I don't like. I'm not saying the guy shouldn't have a voice and not yeah. be able to go out there, but tweeting all of your own personal like business, you know, yeah, like it's a little everything. It's a it's a weird approach, especially mm-hmm. as. You know the type of platform that this guy has, and he's basically the face of the Baltimore Ravens right now, as he's still on the team. Um, I don't know; it's odd to me. 
I sort of agree with the fact that he should keep that stuff behind closed doors yeah. rather than putting it out publicly. Maybe something has happened, and that's why he's bringing this all to the public eye now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know, but we'll see in the future if Lamar even gets traded. I think there's a very high possibility that he does, but I don't know. I don't. I think it's a waste of time trying to predict it. It's the same. Yeah, thing. it's well, it's the same thing as Aaron Rodgers for the last. Three I years. think it's a different circumstance. Well, now even Aaron Rodgers, it's a different circumstance, but even Aaron Rodgers right now is the the, the Jets are saying that the that the Packers have been way too high on the bids, so now we, they don't know if it's going to happen. Well, I didn't. I don't. I, and we I don't even it. have this written down, but I, like I, 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 saw, I, saw, I this on, saw this today. I saw this on Twitter from a reporter, and I can't remember the name. But essentially, neither the Jets nor Packers have any leverage Like between the two of them. The Jets don't have a quarterback. They need Aaron Rodgers. If the Packers don't get rid of Aaron Rodgers, they have to eat the money and they have to deal with Aaron Rodgers still being on your roster. Yeah. So neither team has any leverage over the other. Meaning, no Green Bay. You cannot ask for a high asking price. Yet simultaneously, the Jets can't say, we'll, we're only going to give you a sixth-round pick. And that's why we're just at this stalemate. Like, we have well, them. I saw a report earlier today, and it was that the the Packers rejected the 13th overall pick and, like, a little bit more compensation. I don't believe that. And just, like... I don't believe I that. I have no clue. Green Bay... Green Bay is a competent franchise. They have to be aware of the situation at I, hand. I don't know. That I, even if Rodgers is worth a first-round pick, the situation that you are in, you cannot get a first-round pick for him. You're not yeah, going to be able I, I to. I don't know. I don't know. We'll find out. Uh, speaking of starting quarterbacks, Desmond Ritter was announced as the Falcons' starting quarterback for 2023, as the Falcons also signed Calais Campbell to a one-year deal. Yeah, um, Atlanta's very far away from doing anything productive, and the Desmond Ritter thing, again, kind of just feels like Sam Howell, but over a larger sample. Because he had, like, four games instead of, yeah. Went two and two in those four games, and he didn't get his first touchdown, rushing or passing, until that fourth game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers team that had already clinched their playoff spot. Um, but my question regarding Desmond Ritter and the Atlanta Falcons is who is he throwing to that's not named Kyle Pitts, who I'm not going to say has been a bust, but has not lived up to the expectations. This, pa- might... this past year, he was uh, very down that, after having a, a decent rookie that, season. That might be a like um, coaching-related thing, trying to get him involved. But not named Kyle Pitts and not named Drake London. Drake London will benefit from this, very much so, and Ritter is going to benefit from it. Over the four games that Ritter started, Drake London averaged six catches a game for over 83 yards. Compared to the first 13 games that were with Mariota, I believe, for pretty much all of them. Somebody might have swapped most, in there. Most of them. Most yeah. Of them. Um, that 83 yards per game was double what he was averaging. He was averaging 41 <laughs> yards a game. So that's beneficial for them in that regard. But... The Falcons are still very far away, both offensively and defensively. Clarice Campbell, great pickup, veteran a, presence, a, a, still a good football player as well, not just some washed-up <clears> guy. <throat> um, but the thing is, offensively speaking, they're not in a position to draft uh, a, wide, a wide receiver for the second straight year. They already did that with London last year. And you look at their depth chart on offense, and it's disgusting. You have Drake London, <clears throat> Mac Hollins, and Scotty Miller. As your top three receivers, Alameda Zacchaeus isn't there anymore. No, like they don't oh, have wow. they don't have anything. Meaning you go wide receiver in the second round, I guess. But offensively, good luck to you, Desmond Ritter. And like as a Giants fan, I've watched Daniel Jones throw to a bunch of nobodies, and now finally he made it work this past season. But Daniel Jones was the sixth overall pick, and I wonder 
how long is Atlanta going to be willing to deal with Desmond Ritter struggling? I just don't see Ritter striving unless Pitts steps it up. Yeah, someone. And I, I think I think London had a very good rookie year. I think he'll have over a thousand yards. Yeah, I year. think so as well. But also, he's going to have a thousand yards because Mac Hollins is that number else two. To throw to. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. And defensively, it's gonna be, they're still a ways away. I mean, again, we can see maybe the Falcons trade back and get a receiver in in that trade package, or even get receiver in the first round and get some some other. Uh, trade comp or yeah, other players in that trade compensation, but I, I don't know. Uh, we'll have to see. Um, NFL rule changes coming out yesterday. Uh, two of the biggest ones that I that I put on here. Players allowed to wear number zero now, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah, I love it. Um, I, I want to. We'll talk about that later a little bit. Um, but Michael Parsons is switching his number to zero. I guess is he? That's what he tweeted out yesterday. Ew. Yeah, look good. What's he now? Eleven, right? He was eleven. Yeah, I yeah. like the eleven on him. I don't like Micah Parsons. Paris Campbell's wearing zero for the Giants as well. Darren oh, Waller, I didn't. Darren I didn't. Waller's wearing twelve. Too. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I thought he's not sticking with the eighty-three. No, uh, Lawrence Cager. Okay, okay, okay. The Giants anyway, but even he so, didn't want to pay him. Apparently, you know, not. a lot of those, a lot of those players have that. No, you know, he, like... doesn't, he doesn't want to mess with Lawrence Cager. Oh, uh, okay. One okay. receiving <laughs> touchdown against the Houston Texans. Oh, this year. oh I'm so sorry. <laughs> uh, and flexed Thursday night football games. That's disgusting. No one wants no. it. Nobody likes that. Players, fans, players owners. were tweeting immediately saying, "Get it out of there." John Mara, Get the it out. Giants co-owner, was very verbal about it yesterday, saying he hates the concept. Well, teams already hate the concept of Thursday night football mm-hmm. having to play it once per year because it puts you on a shortened week mm-hmm. i mean you get that longer week afterward to prepare but the shortened week in between a sunday game and a thursday game unless you're com- unless you're coming off of a bye week yeah it makes a huge difference mm-hmm. um and thursday night football is not an easy task to have it's no. basically a day of preparation you were only you like because you'll have monday off well not off but you know what i mean like you won't have full contact practice that day and then you'll have Tuesday, and then debatedly you have Wednesday where you might not even do a full practice. You'll have yeah, a practice a and then and then a tra- and then a travel day. Mm-hmm. So it's frustrating. I don't like the flex option of no. Thursday night football, and it should not be a thing. I don't like Thursday night football anyway. How dare I say it? I enjoy watching football as much as the next guy. I but think I don't care about it. The Thursday night football matchups are usually the worst primetime matchups know. every single week. Except for when the Jaguars play the Jets on Thursday night. <laughs> Those are good. <laughs> um, and I get to drive in a snowstorm in the Poconos down to that uh, that place just to get uh, Zay Jones' towel. But I love it. I love it. No, um, Thursday night fo- I don't like Thursday night football from a standpoint of, like, the actual teams. Mm-hmm. Thursday night football makes sense from a business perspective, of yeah. course. But I think... Amazon also has way too much control in this now, and the Thursday Night Football flexing um, was a big thing due to Amazon Prime. I just personally think that. I don't, I don't know like if that's it. true. but I don't care about it. It's not going to happen either. It shouldn't. NHL, seven games left in the season. The Pacific and Central Divisions, all the seeding is up in the air right now. Yeah. Who's coming out on top? The Wild wild west just like it is in the nba as well and it's been packed the entire season um both in the pacific and the central i believe about at the mid-season we did this with the pacific and we might have done it with the central as well i think we did them on like alternating weeks yeah 
Um, and the team that I picked for the Pacific, and I'm sticking with them, is Vegas. Vegas is currently in and first. And I, I right will now. say that it is the team that I picked as well. I, be, I believe. If I, I think we both picked Vegas. Yeah, and I, we did. I, I, uh, I'm sticking with them as well. Um, as for the Central, I don't know who I picked when we went through the midseason thing, but I do not believe it's this team. And that's the Colorado Avalanche, who are in uh, second right now, but they have played one fewer game. Um, I'm taking Colorado. I picked them as my team to win the President's Trophy when we did our predictions all the way back in October, I guess it was. Um, they've turned it around. They had a bit of a struggle. They were a little flat for the first half of the season. They're hitting their stride. Um, we know we very much know what this Avalanche team is capable of. They obviously won the Stanley Cup last year. They plowed through the entire NHL playoffs. Um, I think that experience comes in handy. I think with this crunch time, with eight, nine games left, I think they come out there. Well, I don't want to be boring, but that was who I was going to pick, too. <laughs> um, <clears throat> the Avalanche, like you said, coming off of a season that we saw them do great, great things, winning a Stanley Cup. They're 9-1 and one in their last 10 right now. They're on a three-game win streak. You you said it perfectly. They're hitting their stride at the perfect time right before this playoff push and playing one less game than the Wild, who are sitting in front of them right now. Mm-hmm. I think that they're going to end up coming out on top. Uh, when we did this last, Winnipeg was very close to the top, and they've fallen off quite a bit, sitting at 85 points behind the Avalanche and Stars, who are sitting at 94, and the Wild at 95. Um, so obviously we could rule them out. But uh, no, I think the Avalanche are doing exactly what they need to do now. Um, they've gotten the, the goals given up per game down just a little bit uh, in these in these last 10 and you know even before that, um, doing what they need to do. And we've seen the talent this roster has, and maybe we finally see them uh, take this take this number one spot and even make a little bit of a push in the playoff. Maybe they could go for a run. I, I think that, I think the West, West is pretty. Open. I was gonna say I think the West is so wide open that I wouldn't be shocked to see the, seeing them go on a run. Considering there's a what four point differential mm-hmm. between the top six teams in that yeah. conference. That's mm-hmm. insane. Uh, Tampa Bay Lightning, of course, got to talk about the Lightning. Uh, beating the Hurricanes last night, very big win in North Carolina. Um, however, they had a four game skid before that. Five and five in their last ten, and kind of just spiraling out of control right now. Yeah, they are. Um, they're the lone team of the top six among division standings in the Eastern Conference that have not clinched their spot yet. I will say thank you for beating Carolina. I think the door is pretty, door You're is welcome. pretty much closed for the Rangers on winning the Metropolitan Division, but it at least helps me out, gives me some hope. Um, Tampa Bay, it's unfortunate. You never want to drop four games, period, but especially at the end of the season, getting stuck in that three spot, you're not going to have home ice in the first round, but I think they'll be fine. We've said that. I mean, we've we've said time and time again that their their veteran presence on the ice uh, is going to aid them a lot, which, yes, uh, but there's something that this team has just been lacking all year, and they haven't been able to get on a run at all, um, especially coming out of the All-Star break when they when they need to. Um, a lot of injuries, injury-ridden. Uh, you know, Victor Hedman m- missed a few games here and there. Um, Nikita Kucherov, really the only one able to stay on the ice for a long period of time um, in in these long long stretches of games. And, of course, Steven Stamkos as well. But just uh, doesn't not playing like the same Lightning team we've seen over the past three years. 
No, and how you mentioned <clears throat> going on a run, that's a huge part of obviously being in the playoffs. And I haven't seen a lot of Tampa Bay Lightning runs of like 15, 16 games where they are overly dominant. And I've seen it with the rest of those teams that are at the top of the Eastern Conference. Um, and I just haven't really seen it with Tampa Bay. So I think they can beat Toronto. Good luck to you after that. And it's unfortunate they run into Boston anyway. <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, a team that has been playing some pretty good hockey as of late for quite some time now, actually, since December. That's the New York Rangers. They clinched their playoff spot a couple of nights ago thanks to the Buffalo Sabres and Florida Panthers losing. Um, followed it up with a 6-2 win over the Columbus Blue Jackets last night. Both Vladimir Tarasenko and Patrick Kane scored goals. Um, that's what I like when you trade for both of those people you trade for two superstars that's exactly what you want out of them and it's just refreshing to see that that actually takes place and with the Rangers the way that they play bad teams they make things overly nerve wracking for no reason they went up 3-0 on Columbus was 3-2 and then they just shut them out the rest of the way won the game 6-2 which is a very good sign of things to come for them but I talked about this last week, and I've spoken about it throughout the NHL season regarding the Rangers and the entire NHL and how good everyone is this year for zero reason. Um, they're currently two points out of the second spot in the Metropolitan Division. They play New Jersey tomorrow night, which is a huge game. Um, if the Rangers want to leapfrog New Jersey, they have to be a point ahead. If they have the same number of points, New Jersey would finish ahead of them due to regulation and overtime victories, not including shootouts. Um but what's so weird to me is that there are three teams in the entire NHL at the time of recording right now that have more points than the New York Rangers. Three. And two of them are in their division. So they have the fourth most points in the entire NHL. 32 teams, and they're not even going to get home ice. Yeah. At all. There's a very clear path. New Jersey, Carolina, Boston. You get to the Stanley Cup, then you get to have home ice. You don't get home ice until then. And I hate it. And they're playing phenomenally. So is Boston. So is Carolina and New Jersey. Give all credit to them. But, man, you're joking. They have to also have the second-best goal differential in the entire NHL. And yet Boston is doubling them as they have the entire year. But I mean, they've been playing great. Just sticks, you know? <clears throat> they've been playing great, great hockey. They're doing their part. <laughs> um, doing exactly what they need to do. Uh, we talked about it last week. Uh, Patrick Kane finally fitting into this this mm -hmm. uh, team and in these lines, and uh, really going on this run um, right when they need to. Uh, I I put in there that obviously the window was was slightly open for them yeah. to get up to. They can I mean, it. they do have the the possibility to get to the top spot. Is it going to happen? No, I don't think so. But Good. they have a possibility ha to get to that second spot for sure. Um, facing uh, New Jersey, I do want to say though. <clears throat> We've we talked about them a little earlier in the season, just shortly before we move on. But like we don't talk about what the Devils did this season. Yeah, and no matter nowhere. Yeah, came we we, we thought they were gonna be like one of the mm -hmm. last in the yeah. Metro, and they like you said, have the third best points at the time of recording in the, in the NHL. Mm -hmm. It's crazy, crazy yeah. the stuff. And and that's how the NHL works because all the focus has been on Boston. Yeah, entire year and rightfully so. And they right. have almost 120 points. They're at 119. And they're the they're still capable of finishing with the most points in a single NHL season, but because of that, we're not paying attention to New Jersey, who has done a phenomenal job. Not to mention that they're 26, 7, and 4 on the road, which is yeah. the best record in the entire NHL. So maybe the even even if the Rangers jump them, 
It might well, not matter. <laughs> I, I also think that the like New Jersey, you're traveling from uh, Newark to yeah. Manhattan. It's like it's like, it's like a thirty. You're train you're gonna ride. get fifty fifty fan spread no matter where you go with those two. Uh, Madison Square maybe Garden, even more. Ma- Madison Square Garden is right above New Jersey Transit. You can yeah. literally take the train from MSG and be at um I think it's the Prudential Center. It is. It's the Prudential Center. You can be at the Prudential Center in less than 30 minutes by yeah. using public transportation. So, oh my, it's a real thing <laughs> most definitely, but for that matchup, how much can it really mean? It's I mean I I I think MSG would be the bigger kicker than Yeah. Obviously. It'll uh, be far worse for New Center. Jersey to lose that spot yeah, than because it would be for the Rangers yeah. hypothetically if the roles were reversed. Just because one ticket prices at MSG are insane. Yeah. So like who <laughs> who from Newark, New Jersey is gonna want to buy <laughs> tickets at MSG, but also uh the fan spread and the fan layout. I know Brian like Dable will be buying a <laughs> buying a ticket. I don't know where he, he was lives. there last year. I don't think he lives in Newark. He not. didn't didn't he witness the lightning beating them firsthand? No, because he missed it. He didn't <laughs> oh, go to I the thought games. He, I thought he was there. I thought he was he's there. Undefeated. Oh, okay, games. okay. And that's why a bunch of fans were irritated. <laughs> for whatever reason, he didn't go to the one game against Tampa Bay that they didn't have home ice for. And then they lost. I thought, I thought he was there. I thought he, he was there. All right, well, we've got the NBA. Ben Simmons and Damian Lillard shut down for the remainder of the season. Yeah, for Ben Simmons, just what a waste of a trade regarding the Nets and the Sixers. I just want to say, there are pe- there were people that said, said that the, the, nu- Nets, or the, the Nets train won it mm-hmm. so much. Um, just ha ha to all of you. That's it. <laughs> and <laughs> I, I personally don't say this to most professional athletes, and uh, I'm not gonna like specify anything. But I'm just gonna say ring ring to to Ben Simmons. <laughs> if anyone gets that meme, um, feel free to DM us, tag us on social media. Well, I'm not gonna don't say it. To I'm, say not gonna say it. I'm not gonna say it. I'm just not saying say it. ring ring to you, Ben Simmons, <laughs> in the same way that I'm saying it to Joe Girard. <laughs> carrying on uh damian lillard though this poor guy for his entire nba career needs a second superstar in portland or he needs to get out of there the entire offseason is offseason is going to be uh potential dame trade packages as it has been for the last five six years and it'll amount to nothing every single year we'll be back here in april and portland will be on the outside looking in of the playoffs and dame will have had another 30 point season and no one will care about it and, and I said this a couple weeks ago when we were talking about Dame. He puts up these numbers, but sadly, they just don't matter. No. And they really don't. They and, like, don't, I'm sorry to win. Dame. <laughs> I'm sorry to Dame. Great, great performances. Great you have not done anything in your career no. to win, to prove. And it sucks. It does. And I know that it's like, you could say he didn't have help. You could say this and that about the Portland Trailblazers. But, like, come on, man. There's a time for you to put everything aside. And think about what's best for you, your career, your legacy. People are going to think that, like, people are not going to go back and think of how good Dame was because Dame never did anything. You know what I mean? Won. He never won. He's never been to a conference final, I don't think. His what, he, hasn't, one playoff, he hasn't. One playoff series win? Two, I maybe think. two? Oh, okay. series win? Series win. I know he has maybe, at least one. Nah, maybe two. Yeah. Maybe two. I don't know, but, Either like... Way. It's so sad to see, and like I don't, I I don't, I don't dislike Dame either, but it's just like, I can't, I can't think of how, I can't talk about how good Dame is because there's he didn't he has not won enough he hasn't to up. to back him up, mm-hmm. um even with no one on this team, yeah. which I get it, it's difficult, but 
you got to think about it for mm-hmm. once, man. Like, mm-hmm. Portland is not a place anyone wants to go. You haven't been? It's beautiful. <laughs> I have actually no, I haven't been. I, I haven't, haven't even been to the I, West Coast. I haven't but, been either. I haven't been to Portland. Um, <laughs> been there's to Portland, no, there's Maine. nothing, there's nothing drawing me there. Been to Portland, Maine. Pretty I, fun. Uh, nice place. I've not been there either. I got robbed there. Oh wow! Yeah. that's a story for another time. That was nice. <laughs> um, his Sixers dropped three in a row. Um, with Harden being out, he has a hamstring tweak right now. He I was. That was Achilles. I thought it was hamstring. I thought it was Achilles. Could have been Either Achilles. way, he's injured. He has some, something matters. with his leg. That's I, all I, that matters. I, I, sh- I, I don't know. Um, I can't lie. I've not been keeping up with the NBA <laughs> nearly as much as I should have been. Um, but they're, uh, they're looking at the second seed fading, fading away. Yeah, pretty quickly. Um, and that's okay. They'll be in the three. Still get the They'll get the three seed. Game. Get to play Brooklyn. Uh, Miami's right there as well. Um, then face off against Boston. As long as they don't have to face the Knicks. I do think... (laughs) (laughs) You're scared. I know you're scared. (laughs) Um, I think that it's good in terms of Philadelphia. Just let James Harden take his time. You don't need to rush anything. And Embiid taking a a few days off. Give him a couple of nights off. It's not the end of the world. If you don't get up to that two spot, you don't need to push anything. I think it was if it was the playoffs, Harden would be playing right now. Um, But you don't need to push anything. And he was... Moments away from playing in the game against uh, Denver the other yeah. day, but they didn't want to rush anything. Didn't no want to. No need to. Exactly. There is no need to. Um, Harden and Embiid, when they've been on the floor together this season, have been fantastic. Yeah. Um, when they're at their best, you just and get them that's there. all you need is them at their best. Mm-hmm. Um, and they've had runs. They've done what they need to do. When they get on the floor, whether it's for the playoffs, whether it's to end the regular season, they'll be fine. It'll be okay. The Bulls looking at the play-in. And really, I just put them in here because I wanted to I talk about how Patrick Beverly tells LeBron that he's too small after he scores over him. Yeah, the Lakers sitting at the nine spot in the West right now with a half-game cushion <laughs> before they fall out of it. And the Bulls sitting in the ten spot of the Eastern Conference. Um, I don't, I don't, Obviously, you saw the clip. For those that didn't see the clip, Patrick Beverly drove into the paint, stopped maybe like six, seven feet out from the basket, um, hit a jump hook, and by the time that the ball was in the hoop, his hand was already level with his knee, calling LeBron too small. Not to mention LeBron didn't even look at Pat. Like LeBron turned around with the ball to go. LeBron, for the LeBron, or not? Pat, Pat just loves trolling. It's so um, funny. I love it. And the I, only this I is only it. here because you love him. Yeah, I mean, but, I put that. I said I love Pat Bev. Yeah. But neither team is doing anything, whether it comes to the playoffs, whether it comes to any like that. Um. Honestly, at this point, I'd be shocked if the Lakers make it uh, to the to the actual playoff, even after the play-in. But, oh, they're making it, baby. <laughs> you know, that's I don't know. Um, LeBron this <laughs> year. <laughs> well, one big storyline that's been coming up that I just saw last week. Well, obviously, I saw when it was updated because I'm the biggest biggest fan of this man. It's better. As the Thunder are sitting in this play-in spot, Chet Holmgren was upga- upgraded too questionable leaving the possibility open that if they are to make a playoff series he can make his debut in the nba and he posted on instagram he said free seven i believe referencing himself is he gonna play who knows um i don't think that he's gonna play i don't think oklahoma city needs to ruin their future superstar um just to make the play-in game and probably lose once and that'll be that but Makes me excited. I love Chad. Well, if they if it's they make guy. if they make a playoff series though, a seven game series, you know, do you think we see a, an appearance of Chet even coming off the bench? 
No, I don't think we do, but I think we at least see him in practice, like warming up. Do we see him on the? Do we see him on the bench? Yeah, you'll see him. You'll see more of him, but I don't think we see him in a game, no matter what. Maybe if we get to June, a shoot around. Yeah, maybe if we get to June and Oklahoma City's in the NBA Finals, then Chet will come out and play. If Chet, I don't think we see that. (laughs) If Chet is to play in the finals, now that is a dream come true. (laughs) In his first season, too. Look at what he did. After being injured the entire time. <laughs> um, the Dallas Mavericks are sitting. Uh, it's not even half a game out. They just they they don't have a tiebreaker yeah. with Oklahoma City, so they're currently sitting outside of the play-in. Mm-hmm. What is going on with Dallas? One, they're fifteen and twenty-three on the road. That's depressing. Um, it was paradise when Kyrie first got there, and we were all excited that Luca had. <sighs> Is number two. I never said I was excited. I just said that I well, knew. We, the NBA community, <laughs> the world, was happy that Luca had someone to work with him. Um, they got up to 31 and 26. They were in the 4 5 range for the Western Conference. They were ahead of the Suns at one point. Uh huh. And now they have gone 6 and 13 in their last 19. They're 37 and 39. Very quick fall from grace. Yeah. Um, Kyrie has made Luka Doncic hate basketball. <laughs> um,. <laughs> That's just a joke, but uh, the other day, everyone was asking asking Luca why is he not smiling on the court anymore, you know, like, where's all the fun that he was having? Kyrie sucked it all out. Yeah, Kyrie Kyrie made him hate basketball. Uh, no, he said that, you know, it's just not it's not fun when they're not winning Yeah. Um, and they haven't been able to win. Uh, there was a huge controversy last week with, you know, whether or not that loss should count towards against them. And then Luca getting a technical foul the mm-hmm. next game and almost being suspended a game, but them taking it away, which they I am a strong believer that they really only took it away because no one was gonna watch the Mavericks if Luca wasn't playing. Like, there's too much drama going on in Dallas, which is exactly why I said Mark Cuban is not gonna want to sign Kyrie back. Because Kyrie has already brought way too much drama in Dallas in less than half a season. Mm-hmm. They were a very they weren't a they weren't an awful team. They weren't a good team. But they were just, you know, there. And we saw it. They were able to do, you know, some things in the playoff last year without Kyrie. I mean, obviously they had Jalen Brunson at the time. But, but, you know, Luka was able to actually, you know, put a team on his back and make them win games. Before Kyrie got there, they were a top five team. Yeah. Top six team. They were out of the play-in. Kyrie gets there. A lot of this drama unfolds. And I don't want to... I, I, it sounds like I'm fully putting this on Kyrie, which, like, sort of am, just because of the personality that follows him. Mm-hmm. But, like, I don't think the Mavericks are going to want him back after this. No, I wouldn't either, and that's totally fair. And, and I'm, tried not, it. I'm not – I tried it out. It's and, good. And I also I'm – not, I'm not saying this discrediting Kyrie's game. I'm saying this – the personality that follows him and everything that fo- – like, the storylines that end up following him and coming to your organization – Kyrie is a fantastic player, but I don't know if I want all that in my so locker. So you don't think Kyrie's getting a ring ring anytime soon? I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think so. Um, finally, before we head into the halftime hustle, of course, the debate for the third year in a row. Who is the MVP, Embiid or Jokic? Picked Embiid in the preseason, so I'll keep picking him. Um, but I will say it's unfortunate that Embiid was not able to play in the potential MVP First and second place matchup. Um, Jokic is the favorite right now, according to Vegas. I thought they were tied following that game. I read that this morning that Jokic is now the favorite. So they he moved up, I guess. 
Because um, I'm not playing against. Following, or when that game came Either way, I'm picking Embiid fruition. still. Yeah, because I, I picked him in the preseason. Embiid has dropped more 30-point games this season than anyone else in the NBA. He's leading the NBA in scoring. He's been completely dominant on the floor. And honestly, is the reason that his team... Well, Harden playing, you know, fantastic as well this mm-hmm. season. Uh, getting back to some of his, his true self. Um, but Embiid, of course... The sole reason that the Sixers are a top three seed in, in the East in, in the first place, and that's how it's been the past Most three years, mm-hmm. past four years even. Um, Joel Embiid has been doing special, special things, and yes, he missed this game in Denver this this past week. Look at the game that he played against against Jokic last time yeah. on his home floor. He scored Pretty thirty. Good. He scored thirty some point. I don't have the exact stats in front of me, but he was my player of the week. He outplayed week. him. He outplayed. He Jokic. did, he and he and he hit a step back three right on Jokic. Mm-hmm. I get it. Missing. There's only been one player in the NBA that has missed fourteen games and won an MVP. Embiid would be the second player <laughs> to do so. Now it's difficult because Embiid misses these games, but would you rather have a guy that goes out on the floor? When he's on the floor, is the most dominant player on the floor, and <clears throat> doesn't have to get subbed out for any specific reason, you know, i.e. defense. Jokic has been subbed out of many games with 30 seconds remaining because he can't play defense and he can't do these things. It's true. Embiid puts it out there on the floor, does all, does everything. Talk about value. Does, does v- insane things and leads his team to victory. Obviously, Jokic does the same, but he has he has a lot more flaws when he's on the floor than Embiid does. Make a good case. Sounds good to me. Embiid's got my vote. <laughs> <laughs> Embiid had your vote before the season even yes, started. Uh, well, we're going to go into the halftime hustle. We've got Drip of the Week to start. Do you want me to start or yeah. would you like to go? Uh, mine hinting at what happened uh, yesterday, I immediately texted you and our friend Colin, the first player ever to announce that they are wearing number zero. That is Calvin Ridley, the first ever number zero in Jaguars history. Um, it's also the top-selling jersey on NFL.com right now. Is it? It is. After he announced it, and it was officially put out there, his first ever official jersey with the Jaguars. It is the top-selling jersey at the moment. Um, amazing, amazing. I can't wait to get myself uh, one. Can't, get, can't wait to get my hands on one. Uh, maybe just a shirt. I don't know. If, I don't know if I'm gonna get a jersey, but uh, the number zero. It just looks clean. I like it a lot. Um, yeah, I'm a fan of the zero. As I said, Paris Campbell's wearing the zero for the Giants. I think it's cool. I'm you getting the zero with me? Uh, you know, I don't really need a Paris Campbell jersey. I will be. No, just a t-shirt. Just a t-shirt. Uh, I don't. I don't really need the Paris Campbell t-shirt. I'm gonna get the Darren Waller number twelve. Oh t-shirt. yeah, you do need the Waller. You need um, Waller. My my sister calls me Waller. <laughs> yeah. That's my nickname. So I'm excited about that one. Not the first camel. Okay. I like I like the zero though. I'm glad the NFL is letting the players have fun with their drip a little bit more. Um, I well throwing the number rules out the window. I would say going back going back to last year. Um, well, no, it was two years ago at this point, two, right? Yeah. When they introduced like the single digit numbers, mm-hmm. you know, able to be at different positions. I was very happy with that. Also, T Higgins going back to number five. I didn't mention that. That was pretty sick. Just do that? He just did that. Oh, it could have been this morning, oh, actually. But yeah, he's, he's going oh, back fan. to number five, which is what he was book. in college. So yeah. that was really cool. Um, so I guess that's an honorary drip of the week as a lot well. Of, a lot of number drip. <laughs> number drip. My drip of the week. Uh, 
I've got I've got some history for, for this one as well, and a reasoning for why I picked it. The Atlanta Braves announced their City Connect jerseys for 2023. Very cool. Um, a modernized update to the 1974 uniform, which celebrates Hank Aaron in the year that he hit his 715th home run past the great Bambino, Big Um Why I picked this, though. One, I love the jerseys. I think they're really cool. I, I do. They're fresh. And as a person who hates the Braves, I do love them. They're a nice update 50 years later. Great. Specifically, though, when I was in second grade, we had to give a presentation on uh, um, a historical figure, and I gave mine on Hank Aaron. And now that I think about it, like looking back at it, I'm not a Braves fan. I'm a Yankee fan. My dad's not a Braves fan. There's no reason to like Hank Aaron. And I think I read like a Guinness Book of World Records, and it had an MLB section, and it said Hank Aaron hit the most home runs. And I said, that sounds good to me. And then I went as Hank Aaron. Um, and I went as a baseball player. It was so much fun. Brought a baseball back to school. Didn't beat anyone up. It was great. Um, but so were you? Were you? In, were you? Were you in a Yankees really... uniform talking about Hank Aaron? No, I don't remember what I wore okay. on the top. I know I wore the baseball. No, I think I wore a Cincinnati Reds t-shirt. Wow, big I, Cincinnati Reds guy. In the first grade, the one year, the, the year before, I played baseball for one year, and we did MLB teams. Oh, okay. The town that I lived in, Connecticut, and wore a red shirt. It just said Reds on it. Like, it wasn't a logo or anything. Yeah, I know, like, teams, uh, I mean, I never, locally, we never had that, but, like, like ours were just like the sponsors of like yeah. who was your sponsor so like well. mine every single year was dlp my dad's company so yeah. if, if anyone in my family is listening to this they'll know um <laughs> i actually have a dlp sweatshirt up there dlp fantastic fantastic brand i love all the merch <laughs> but uh no um so it was just it was literally just the sponsor across your jersey so that's what we had but one more thing about the hank aaron jerseys i did see as well it has in the bottom left, like above the tag, and even on the brims of the hats, the inside, where they did, they also did like the green under brim, like yeah. how the old hats had them, mm-hmm. but it's embroidered and it's uh, Hank Aaron saying, just keep swinging. That's dope. So it's That's actually, so it's cool. really awesome. It's really awesome. Um, you know, you know me, big jersey stand. Uh, player of the week. This was your player of the week as well. I do mm-hmm. want to say that. Um, but um, It's your turn. Yeah, now turn I, it was my turn to keep. He had to switch. So uh, my roommate's going to be very happy that I finally picked this player. That's Caitlin Clark of Iowa. An Elite Eight game against Louisville. Had a 41-point triple-double, 41 points, 10 rebounds, 12 assists. Also earlier in the tournament had a 50-point game. Just going crazy and the best offensive player in, in women's college basketball. You've been huge, saying college basketball, legacy. period. Yeah, honestly. She, no, yeah, she, I believe yeah. she's the first player in college basketball history in the NCAA tournament to have a 40-point triple double. Yeah. yeah. Um, both men and women. And uh, jealous that I didn't get to pick her. I didn't get to have her as my player. It was, it was just my roll of the dice this and, week. Yeah. And she's a winner. <laughs> and she gets to play in the Final Four. My player of the week is a guy who will not be in the Final Four, but we talked about him plenty. We talked about his entire team for quite some time. That is Marquise Noel. Kansas State uh, Wildcats losing to FAU in the Elite Eight. Um, we're going to talk about the Final Four right after this. Yeah. But two games in the Sweet 16 Elite Eight. Marquise Noel, 30 points, three rebounds, 12 assists, five steals. I want to highlight those five steals as well because that's that's a big number for, for steals. That's in the Elite Eight and then in the Sweet 16 against Michigan State. 20 points, three assists, ni- or three rebounds, 19 assists, which set the NCAA tournament record for most of the game, and five steals once again. 
Um, guy's five foot eight, balled out at the Garden from Harlem. Um, I hope he gets a shot in the NBA. I think he showed that he can be a point guard at the next level. Kevin Durant had a very nice things to say about him on Twitter, um, saying that he's never seen someone command the court like Marquise Noel did. I love the fake play alley-oop to Keontae Johnson um, to get the win over Michigan State. So great. FAU won. We'll talk about FAU what was, in a second. What was his nickname that they were calling him? They were calling him something. It were was they? like, it was, I don't know if it was like New York Noel or, or something. That makes sense. It was, some, I mean, it was, it was some kind of, it was some kind of uh, correlation with, with New York. Um, I actually didn't know he was from New York though. From so Harlem, that, that yeah. makes, that makes a lot of sense now mm-hmm. that they were saying a lot of that. Um, yeah. yeah. But amazing performances from him. Very upset that we couldn't have seen him move on. Uh, which is why we're getting the NCAA men's tournament right now. And yeah, we're not headlining the show with this because it's an awful Final Four, personally. Yeah, thank you for <laughs> saying personally. Um, I don't think there's an issue with not headlining it. We're going to talk about baseball right after this in the MLB. That should be the headline, and I'm glad that that is the headline. But these teams don't stink. I will say that. Uh, oh, They do not stink. Biggest advocate against FAU and San Diego State I've ever met in my they, life. They do not stink. I'm not I'm not anti-San Diego State. I am anti-FAU, but I'm not anti-San Diego State. I'm just pro... I'm not even pro-Alabama. I was pro-Alabama to come out of that region. I now you're wa- just pro-Miami. No, I'm not. I don't even want to... I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share some information with you, by the way. Um, I don't want to talk about Alabama... I'm never going to be confident in anything ever with college basketball. I'll be confident in all my other sports. I don't care. All I'm going to say is congratulations to San Diego State. We're going to go region by region talking about the teams a little bit. Congratulations to San Diego State for reaching their first ever Final Four. That is dope. That's all I'm going to say. And I'm glad that Alabama did not prevail for moral reasons. Uh, I w- Again, I was like... I was rooting against Alabama, but not at this point in the tournament. But kind of needed like, Yeah, it was like I, it's like I didn't want them to win because of everything surrounding the yeah. team, but I didn't want them to lose because I had them in my bracket. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, um, San Diego State, you know, like you said, advanced to their first Final Four. Kawhi Leonard got them to their first ever Sweet 16. Um, years ago and now they've come a long way san diego state is now i mean i guess you could say they're kind of on the map now uh congratulations yeah, to them for being in definitely. the final four they've been in the tournament for yeah. multiple years now three straight years oh, yeah syracuse beat them yeah they did they did i do remember they that the six seed yeah uh moving on we'll go over to miami mm-hmm. taking down houston and then the sad sad revelation <clears throat> that horns had to be down yeah i knew it i knew they wouldn't win but I'm going to talk a little bit more about knowing things. I was so I was I, I, I uh, just have to say I was so sad about, yeah, after that game. Yeah, totally. Uh, you missed out on a lot of money in the March March Madness bracket pool that I still have to pay you fifteen dollars for. <laughs> um, talk about a collapse though. Ten and a half minutes left in the game. They're up by twelve. Twelve. Yeah. Down the drain. But congratulations to Miami. Another first timer. Um, it's the first time FAU is the third team. Um, first time. That three out of the four Final Four teams will be making their first Final Four appearance since 1970, for 50 years. So congratulations. So every 50 years, we're gonna see three new Final Four teams. <laughs> <laughs> congratulations to Miami, um, and they were very close to having both their men's and women's teams yeah, in the Final Four. They the were very close. Made it to the Elite Eight, um, ended up losing to 
whoever it was that I said. The LSU. LSU. They lost to LSU. Um, And I just find it funny with this Miami team. Everyone doubted the ACC, called them weak. Everyone said Duke was going to be the five-seed ACC team that comes out, makes the Final Four. (laughs) There you go. Miami. Isaiah Wong. They're wrong. Well, here you go. Your favorite team, FAU. I don't like them, but I am willing to respect them and share some information about them. Because I only I only dislike them because they tried to dunk on FDU a 16 seed in the closing seconds and you missed the dunk. So they that, did miss the that, dunk. That just put a sour taste in my mouth. That entire region, I knew it wasn't going to be one of the top teams. Like Kansas State, of the top five seeds, only Kansas State I could see coming out of that region. Too much hype around Duke. It wasn't going to make sense. Tennessee was not strong enough to win that. And then, for history reasons, both Purdue and Marquette were not going to make the Final Four. Um... But I will, I will talk about FAU, though. Very much a high-octane offense, capable on the defensive end as well. They have some balance. Not as much balance as some of these other teams. Not really among these four that are left, but look at Texas, for example. Very balanced team on both ends. I will say, I did not gas them up at all, and I'm not taking credit, and there's no credit to take. But I didn't gas them up because they are the first team, seeded 5 through 11, to improve upon their preseason AP poll ranking and make the Final Four since Michigan in 1992. So what they did has not happened in 30 years. So that's why I use my history. They broke, they didn't break the bracket. They broke the bracket for some, for a lot of people. But they did something that hasn't happened in 30 years. So I'm respecting that. And my final thing is, the Conference USA, the conference that they're in, is not a bad conference at all. They were 31-3 and in that conference. One of the losses came to Ole Miss, mind you, obviously, SEC team. One of them came to North Texas, who was in the NIT championship. Nobody cares about the NIT, but they just beat Wisconsin. They beat Oklahoma State. They've beaten Power 5 teams. And the other loss uh, was to, like, Middle Tennessee State throwaway game, same way that Houston lost to Temple. I don't care about it. Teams lose games. Um, But, again, North Texas – and the other team that North Texas is facing in that NIT championship game is UAB, who is also in the Conference USA, who also ripped through Power 5 teams to get there. So they, I think they ranked like 103rd, 104th in strength of schedule um, in the entire country, FAU. So I don't like them. I don't support them. I hope San Diego State beats them. But they're there for a reason. And if you look into the statistics, if you look into the reasoning... They're a good basketball team, even if I don't like them. They well, are good. And they they would not stop saying this, and they wouldn't shut up about it. But, of course, FAU, they're the second-highest winning basketball program in the NCAA yeah. behind Houston, which, okay. It means nothing. <laughs> but, like... We've been trash-talking um, Houston the entire year. So yeah. Nothing. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, FAU, obviously, we've seen it in their play. Yes, they deserve to be there. They're, um, they're a good team, but just... Very frustrating. Very frustrating seeing them. It's a frustrating bracket. It is. It is. It's a frustrating year. So Mm -hmm. I finally came to the conclusion. Got your team. I'm gonna. I'm gonna root for UConn now. Yeah. Um, I, I'm from Connecticut. I was born in New York City. I grew up in Connecticut. Moved back to New York. Live in Vermont now. My Northeast tour. I always have some Connecticut love in me. Some Connecticut fire. I think this is really awesome with this team that multiple players are fasting for Ramadan, and they did this last weekend as well. And they're doing it again this weekend. 
and they dominated Gonzaga after fasting for Ramadan. So before you run to your bookie and say, <laughs> oh, the UConn players are fasting. Some yeah. of their top players aren't going to eat anything for the entire... It means nothing. They beat Gonzaga by 30. Um, and they should be and are the favorite right now among these four teams. They're up to number two in the AP poll. They were sky high, and then they fell back down, and now they're sky high again. Probably shouldn't have been even have been a four seed. Uh, yeah, we were. I mean, line. we were talking about how they should have been higher. They definitely could have been on the three line, had the talent to be on the two line. Um, I do want to share some history though. I'm going to talk about. Um, it's easy. Obviously, it's easy to do all this in retrospect now that we have reached the final four. But before I get into this, actually, I want to say the final four. When we went over our final four stuff and we did our whole March Madness episode predicting what would happen, blah blah blah. Um, I had USC in the final four for the sole reason that their coach is named Andy Enfield and he has an I in the last name Enfield. So I use this formula. If you don't know what the formula is, go back and listen to the March Madness episode. It's very close to the end of the episode. I explain the whole thing. And I will say, in this tournament, which is two five seeds, a four seed, and a nine seed, um, and it is the second highest like combined seeding ever, minus 2011. Um, that was the only one that was higher. That formula still worked. It's still computed. It made sense. That dates back to 2010. So even all of this insanity, the two, it, the final fours have been the same since 2010, at least to some extent. Now, the part that I want to actually talk about, I want to reiterate. I picked, I shared some data about national champions since 2002, and it left me with Alabama, Kansas, and UCLA. Waste of time, obviously. They're all gone now. That's irrelevant, though. So I went back to 2000. Two years, you add in two more tournaments. And things get changed slightly. And I'm going to list off everything that is required since 2000, what these champions have in common. A lot of them are very similar. And I'm going to tell you who would have been eligible. Every national champion since 2002, or 2000, sorry, started 8-2 and two or better, started 15-5 and five or better, had a win streak of 5-plus games, used to be 7, now it's only 5, improved upon their preseason ranking or stayed the same, had a scoring differential of 7 or better, did not lose their first conference tournament game, that's a team like Kansas State. Had four or more teams from their conference, FAU, eh, and weren't unranked and entered the tournament as a one or two seed, meaning Purdue Marquette. Um, that's a lot. A lot of things. And eight teams in the field of 68 match that criteria. Alabama, UCLA, Kansas. Those were the three that I mentioned. Now we're going we're going off script a little bit more. Texas opens the door wish, for them. Wish, wish, I wish. Arizona... <laughs> Who lost to Princeton in the first yeah. round. So this is proof that this is a little flaky. Virginia, who also lost in the first round to Furman. And Miami and UConn. Both of them. Two. Not one, but two. And they face each other. So whoever wins. Whoever wins is, is going winning. to win the national championship. In terms of going back to 2000. That is 22 uh, straight NCAA tournaments. All right. Whoever wins. You heard it here first. Wally said, "Put the entire house, the house on those the winner teams. of Miami UConn. Put the house on it. And San if, Diego and, State or FAU is not winning. And if you lose, he'll pay for your bet. Yes, I will. <laughs> <laughs> not maybe not the house, but I'll spot you five dollars <laughs> that you can go bet away and try and get back. I know that was a lot of words in terms of history, but I, I have to try. And but we find always a win. we always love the history. I, I um, gotta I gotta try and find a win for myself here after wasting my life with the research thing, but." If Miami or UConn wins, I'm still going to be a happy camper. Being able to shrink it from 68 down to 8 is very helpful. I'm just going to root for UConn. I'm going to keep it simple. Yeah. I'm going to root for UConn. That's fair. Uh, finally, getting to the MLB. By the time this episode is out, 
first pitch will be starting pretty soon. Play ball. I cannot Play wait. Ball, I ta- I texted you. I said my favorite, favorite point of the year is when <laughs> baseball is on in full swing. No pun intended. Um, so we're going to go into our full season prediction as we always do predicting the winner of each division the three wild card spots manager of the year Cy Young and the MVP in each division so we're going to start out in the east of course we're going like we'll go we'll go east and then we'll go AL NL central so we're going to go back and forth depending on the like region yeah 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 yeah, 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 yeah For the we've got the same ones for both the AL and NL East. AL Yankees, ML Phillies. Yeah, I think uh, the Yankees adding in, um, you know, the final the final rotational piece uh, with Carlos Rodon mm-hmm. is very important. Um, they called up Anthony Volpe this week, mm-hmm. uh, which should be a great it should be a solid addition to their to their squad. Um, and of course, Aaron Judge coming off of a fantastic season. Still have Garrett Cole. Still have. Uh, Nestor Cortez still still have a lot of those pieces that was you know helped boost them to be one of the best teams in baseball last year. Of course, falling a little little off track um, when it came playoff time, but yeah, still they always do when they yeah win still still fantastic fantastic season for the team. It's the Yankees. That's why I have them. Uh, Phillies. The addition of Trey Turner. Um, that's my huge, huge, well. and uh, you know we've seen what he's been able to do in in the World Baseball Classic <laughs> in in um, in the latter half of spring training. You know once he came back uh, and played those last couple games, all he's got to do is help keep this team in that spot. You know they lost Reese Hoskins, which was you know bad, but you've got guys that are going to step up. Um, also adding T1 Walker on uh, on the team and getting Gregory Soto, acquiring him in a trade. Very big moves. Their bullpen has improved mightily. Uh, their starting rotation has improved. And adding Trey Turner, once Bryce Harper comes back, which he's supposed to, they're saying now by the end of May, at least as a hitter, this team's going to be right back to this league league champion team. Yeah, and I've, I've got the exact same thing as you for pretty much all of the same reasons. I do think it's kind of funny, though, with Trey Turner dominating the World Baseball Classic and spring training as well. Just like... How people work with spring training and what they see and how if the player is playing terrible, yeah. they say, well, it's just spring training. It doesn't mean anything. And if they're playing great, they're, oh, they're winning MVP. There's no in between. It's got to match my agenda. That's all that matters. But, so if it was if it was just spring training, then I would be a little more skeptical. But the World Baseball Classic yeah. boosted it. I, I mean, I, and anyway, I think Trey Turner was going to be great with Philadelphia yeah. regardless. I don't care what he did at the WBC or what he was doing in spring training, but. I, I concur with you. Yeah. Well, we're going to move to the Central. I have the Guardians in the AL and the Cardinals in the NL. Another samesies. I'm right there with you. Um, I considered... Oh, wait. I got the, I got the wrong thing here. Um, I, I considered going off the rails a little bit in the uh, AL Central. I think St. Louis is winning the NL. That's not really a question. Yeah, me. no. All those teams are... But in the Central, I thought Chicago... Minnesota and Cleveland are all going to be right in that same range. None of them are going to have like over 100 wins, obviously. They're all going to be in the 80 to 92 win range. Um, and that's why I thought it could be a toss-up. I ended up finishing with Cleveland just because they won the, that division last year. Um, but easily, I think you can go to all of those three. Uh, Chicago very much underperforming last year yeah. uh, in the AL. and. We thought they were going to be this juggernaut, and now I really just don't know. Um, also, losing Jose Abreu was huge. Oh, they don't have him anymore. That's not going to help them much. 
Um, the Guardians saw guys like Stephen Kwan, Andres Gomez, these young guys step up for the team uh, when they needed them, and mm-hmm. still even having you know solid rotational staff, solid guys in the bullpen. Um, you know, once they lost Francisco Lindor, people thought that the that Cleveland was kind of just gonna go in the gutter and go away. Well, they're still a pretty solid baseball team and a you know a subpar division. But if they could win the division and and keep consistently getting there. I think they'll get guys to come to their team and, and, you know, we've seen a lot of improvement within their, uh, you know, developmental leagues and in AAA and AA yeah. and seeing guys come up through their farm system that I think the Guardians are going to take it yet again. And um, Cardinals, again, self-explanatory. Not really anyone else in that division, but I do have a shocker that I'll talk about later. <laughs> Moving on to the West, uh, the AL West, by far the easiest to pick, I think everyone would agree, and I think... Everyone would agree that this team is the World Series favorites, and they're going to repeat. Uh, it wouldn't take much to convince me. That's Houston. I hate it, blah, blah, blah. It's it's but. insane how they just stay so good through mm-hmm. their farm system, and even losing guys like George Springer, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Carlos Correa, Carlos Correa uh, you know, Jeremy Pena stepping up last year and winning no Justin World, Series, World Series MVP. Well. Yeah, no Justin Verlander. Um also Cole. getting Jose Abreu, yeah, it's insane how they just keep mm-hmm. producing guys and getting guys in there. You see why the Yankees um, struggle and they I, get to yeah, the playoffs? Yeah, well, t- that's why the Phillies <laughs> lost the them. Phillies <laughs> yeah, I hate Chaz McCormick forever now because he had that catch off of uh, the wall in Citizens Bank Park. Yep. But uh, no, I think uh, the Astros running away with it. And the NL, do you have? No, you have I the opposite. You have the yeah. opposite. Yeah. So I have the Padres. I've got the Dodgers. Um, I have the Padres. Well, I have the Dodgers as my first National League Wild Card team. You have the you have Padres, Padres yeah. Um, I think those two teams are just gonna keep battling it out mm-hmm. all year round. Uh, the Padres, you know, adding guys at the end of the year last year. They have Juan Soto now. Manny Machado will get uh, Fernando Tatis back at some point. Added Xander Bogarts in the off season. Um, I think the Padres are gonna be a very interesting team because even when they had Machado and Tatis, they were still kind of up and down. Um, I think this is the year we finally see them put it together. All right, guys, I promise you. Yeah, <laughs> kind of feels like the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, uh, I know, I know. I also just think the Padres are kind of like a cursed franchise. They're doomed. They they don't have, they don't get lucky the way that things shake out, and just due to the Dodgers' consistency over my entire lifetime, really, and then some. Um, I picked them to win that division. I think it can be a two-game difference. I won't have an issue with San Diego winning it 50-50, really. And I've got the same reasons for yeah. the Dodgers getting in the, yeah. in the NL wild card. So I have them as the first NL wild card. My AL wild card, the first one up, I have the Rays. And I have the Mariners. Different directions here. I'm not very high on Tampa Bay. I do not have them making the playoffs at all. And I have a different AL East team. Which is completely different from what you had last year. Yes. <laughs> yes, it is. I had uh, four out of five AL East teams um, filling out the wild cards. And three out, three out of the five ended up making <laughs> it. So that was a good start. Um, I think Seattle is a team on the come up. A lot of people would agree with J-Rod leading uh, the the charge with that. They made it to the playoffs last year. Um, they almost beat Houston as well. They hung with they did. them for they quite did. some time. They did. I think that they're on the come up. They're not quite there with the Astros, but I think they're they're good. They're a good team. Well, I will say I have the Mariners at the second wild card yeah. spot. I'll talk about them really quick. Um, the addition of Teoscar Hernandez is very underrated, I think, as well, too. Mm-hmm. Um He's going to be great. The Mariners also have Jared Kelnick coming up. 
very soon. I mean, we, we saw him make his debut, but to pair him in that outfield with Teoscar and yeah. J-Rod, True. it's going to be insane. They even had Kyle Lewis, who was eventually traded to Arizona, um, who actually, I think, won Rookie of the Year in that COVID season, mm-hmm. uh, which is crazy to think about that he was <laughs> traded one year a- or two years after that, um, mostly due to injury. But uh, we saw some issues with the Mariners – you know, in their their front office staff and everything yeah. th- those past years, but we've seen them overcome that. Um, I'm happy to see them on the come up. They made a little bit a little bit of a run, not really um, in the playoff last year, uh, but very promising team last year. And I think they make it again at the second wild card. But I will go into the Rays. I just think the Rays still have still have a lot of that talent there. Um, you know, Randy Orozarena is always an exciting player to watch year in year out um i think he's gonna i think he's gonna carry this squad a little bit wander franco finally we'll stay on the stay on the <clears throat> finally we'll stay on the field for a good portion of the season um i think the rays battle it out and again that al east is gonna be another dog fight just because of how good these teams are yeah and we can go the the other team that I have in the top two is Toronto instead of Tampa Bay. I don't think Toronto amounts to anything in the postseason. Once again, I'm sick of all the hype around them. And Vladimir Guerrero Jr. saying uh, this is my house after like one win against the Yankees in an irrelevant game where they're down by like seven games in the division. I don't care about it. And then they get bounced immediately. But I do think that Toronto has enough talent to get through, and I think they have more talent than Tampa Bay. I wouldn't be surprised if Tampa Bay makes it, but. I, I agree. I think Toronto has, you know, a ton of talent, but I think they've become the same story, a similar story to what the Padres were a few years ago. Yeah. Where it was, they had all the talent, but they couldn't get over the hump. Well, and I haven't we have seen, not, I haven't we seen haven't San seen Diego it. get over the hump either, so I'm not putting yeah, stock yeah, into yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I, 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 it's not an awful pick. I was debating putting them in as the third, but of course I landed on someone else. Yeah. Uh, but I, I, I just don't know if I could really put all my all my chips in for the Blue Jays because we've seen too much inconsistency. Yeah, I'm not putting my chips in long term. I also just hate Tampa Bay more than I hate Toronto because yeah. Tampa Bay has been more of a threat over yeah. the last couple of years. Um, to the NL, though, we've got the same one. Number two, the Atlanta Braves. Yeah, uh, very talented Braves roster. Um, I keep saying this about every single team, but it's almost uh, like they're going to yeah, be in the playoffs. But all these um, <laughs> Sean Murphy, a great addition at catcher. You know, mm-hmm. you now have Travis Darno and Sean Murphy back there um, behind the plate. It's it's insane having Michael Harris and Spencer Strider as well, two young guys. Uh-huh. Having Ronald Acuna back, hopefully no injuries this year. Um, you know, knocking on wood for that as much as. I would like to see them lose because they're in the same division as Philadelphia. Um, I don't ever want to prey on an, on a guy's downfall like that because he's an amazing player to watch. Um, Ozzie Albie's still being there. Matt Olson might hit like 40 home runs or not 40. He might hit like 50 plus home runs this year because of how insane he has been with the bat. Um, and I hate it because again, Philadelphia has to play him and has to pitch to this guy. Um, there's so many guys to just look at on this roster from top to bottom, which is why they're also going to be very much battling for the East and could easily swap spots with Philadelphia. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm very much in agreement with you on that and everything that you said with Atlanta. Yeah. Um, Wild card three. Got the same one. 
from the East. A bit of a surprise team that I think a lot of people are not going to be surprised by by the end of the year. Put some stock in right now. It's going to be the new norm. That's the Baltimore Orioles. They arrived. And and they just missed the playoff last year, Mm -hmm. surprisingly. Um, Adley Rushman, putting this team on his back, might Mm -hmm. I add. Um, Anthony Santander is there. They've got a lot of good young guys, uh, Cedric Mullins as well, that – Go under the radar when uh, you know you're thinking about talking baseball, but uh, the Orioles are are gonna be a threat, a guy, a team that are gonna be pesky throughout the entire year. You're not really gonna know what to do um, when you face them because they're just a wild card. You don't know what they're uh, a wild card. Ah. You know, yeah, no pun intended. But uh, um, I think we just see a lot out, a lot of promise out of them this year. I don't think they amount to anything when they make the playoff, but I no. think they get their berth. I also think that they're only going to get better over the next number of years. Yeah, um, they've got the rookie of the year favorite in Gunnar Henderson coming up this year. They they've got all the tools now. I think they're young, they're ahead of schedule, but I think that third wild card spot is very reasonable. For the NL, I'm going with a team that I don't like. I've never been a fan of, but I'm just going to do it to be polite. And that's the New York Mets. The Mets are going to met, but I'm going to throw them in there. I don't care about Edwin Diaz being gone for the year. Um, find a closer obviously won't be as good i hate the trumpets i think they're dumb i hate fun but new york mets my third wild card team. i don't have the mets uh partially because i just never believe in them and there's nothing to two, believe two in. i hate them and three nothing it, to happen, believe in, it I, happens every single year i gotta make the mets viewers they either, happy. yeah they either make the third wild card or they win the nl east and lose in the first round <laughs> um there's no in between and that's the mets way uh, they don't amount to anything ever, so I don't think they're going to amount to anything this year. I have a surprise team here again. I have the Cubs. Uh, adding the addition of Dansby Swanson, I think we see a resurgence of Cody Bellinger. Um, Saya Suzuki also on that roster. I think they have a, a little bit of those veteran, you know, talent-ish sprinkles. You know, Dansby being the star mm-hmm. uh, fully, and Cody Bellinger, maybe we see him return to form. Um, but then you have a lot of those younger guys as well to, to add to that. So I think the Cubs shock a, a, a couple people and get that final spot there. And, I like you know, the pick. Kinda, it's kinda, fun. Yeah, you know, have a little. Something different. And, and the Cubs are, aren't really a team that you ever really root against, I feel like. No. There's been too, much, too much losing in their, in their lives. Mm-hmm. Um, manager of the year we'll start out with. Yeah, we got the same one <laughs> for the AL. That's Brandon Hyde. We th- I, I, we think he gets his revenge. Both of us agreed he should have won it last year. Lost to Terry Francona of cleveland yeah i think this is his time to shine gets into the playoffs that'll be enough yeah uh not much more to say orioles make the playoffs and he he gets it he should yeah um my ml pick make you happy that's rob thompson of the philadelphia phillies filling in taking over for joe girardi last year leading them to the world series started to put him on the map at least a little bit and i think if philadelphia is able to win a very good nl east Maybe not top to bottom, but there's some strong teams there. And I think if Philadelphia can push 100 wins, even get over that mark, dare I say it, um, I think Rob Thompson will be my pick. See, I, I was, like, going to put him, but, like, I didn't want too yeah, much Phillies bias. bias. Yeah, So, like, I didn't fair. I didn't want to throw him in. Uh, I think he should have been in consideration last year. A little, you know, iffy that he wasn't, but mm-hmm. um, I like the pick, of course. Yeah. Uh, but I have Bob Melvin of the San Diego Padres just simply because this is – Finally going to be the year, maybe, that they finally get over that hump and yeah. beat the Dodgers. Um, it's a hard feat to take on, uh, but I'd love to see it happen. Yeah. 
Cy Young. Cy Young. And quite frankly, I totally forgot that Jacob DeGrom is now <laughs> in the AL because he's on Texas, and I'm never going to I'm never going to pick anything game. Texas. but like, Which is fair. Which yeah. is fair. And you, not to take steal your thunder, you picked Jacob DeGrom. I did. I picked Jacob DeGrom, which, it, yeah, yeah, boomy. I probably took the two favorites for Cy Young, but, like, Jacob DeGrom, whenever he's on the field, is insane. If he could pitch a majority of his games, he's yeah. going to win it. Yeah, and that's perfectly okay. I'm going with a guy who you have as your MVP. And I think if he wins this, we'll end up winning MVP. But I, I like to be a little different at least. That's Shohei Otani. Um, was very, very dominant in the second half of the season pitching. People oh, yeah. People don't talk about that as much. Um, and we've heard all the two-way stuff. But the concept of winning Cy Young and MVP. But not winning MVP just because of his pitching, but because of him hitting 30-plus home runs, batting 300, having 100 RBIs to go with a sub-2-5 ERA, which is reasonable for him. Just insane. That's I'm picking him for my Cy Young. I could have picked Jacob DeGrom. I could have picked somebody else, blah, blah, blah. My MVP is not Shohei Otani, but it could end up be, being him. Um, and I'll wait to, I'll wait for my Shohei talk until we get to yeah. the MVP. Uh, so I'll move on to my NL Cy Young, and that's Sandy Alcantara. Um, I'm I, a, I, I picked against just saying this because yeah, I knew that you would. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a big Sandy guy. Yeah. Um, I think he's going to be... I, I think he, he he can be considered the best pitcher within the next two years mm-hmm. um, in the MLB, and I think he will be considered that for the next, like, five to six years. Yeah. Um, he is so dominant. He's so exciting to watch. I hate it again. Philadelphia rival in Miami. Uh, that we have to face him, but love to see him on the mound every every game, and I think he's going to put on a show this year, especially they have some new, new jerseys coming this year as well, too. Yeah, they'll put on a show, and I know that they will, but just – so we have somebody different. Um, I'm going with Corbin Burns, 2021. Who's been winner. fantastic in the past two years as well. I think he's a pretty reasonable pick. Um, it's between the two of those in the NL. You can throw Justin Verlander in that conversation if you want, but now that DeGrom has switched sides, gone to the dark side of the AL, never to be heard of again in Texas. But. Uh, we're going to move to MVP, and I have, again, as already previously announced, I have Shohei Otani. Um, like you said, if he's dominant on the mound and hitting like he did last year, he will easily win this award. Yeah. It's not even in question. Um, the, obviously, last year was an anomaly. Judge setting yeah, the record. He would have won MVP in, a in season. ninety-nine yeah. out of a hundred seasons. Yeah, had but Aaron Judge not done that. Uh, Shohei gets his MVP nod, wins it. Um, should be his second of his career. I'm going with a different Los Angeles Angel who has battled some injuries over the last couple of years is still one of, if not the greatest baseball players in the world, and that's Mike Trout. And I, quite frankly, like now that I've put these awards down, I don't see a situation where Shohei Otani wins Cy Young and Trout wins MVP, but I do see a situation where the two of them finish one and two in MVP voting, yeah. despite being on the same team. Um, I pick Trout. Could be first, could be second. Otani could win both of them. I just don't want to have the same I mean, Tr- as you. Trout is also just so so dominant it's the norm it's yeah the norm it's like him, it's like the thing it's like a normal season for him is an mvp season yeah for which m- is insane majority of players and yeah. finally nl mvp i'll go first i'm hopping on the hype train I, i'm picking trey see. turner as an MVP. um mainly because uh the absence of bryce harper and keeping them in the run with him out and also losing reese hoskins yeah um and his presence in the locker room within this first season uh you know everything that he's going to amount to with this team i have very high hopes 
uh, with the way he's he's been playing. And I just I like you said, even regardless of what he would have done in this preseason, whether it was the World Baseball Classic spring training, I knew he was going to have a I, well. I imagined he was going to have a great season in Philadelphia and still do, and uh, very much think that he's going to be a, an MVP caliber player this season. Yeah, and he has a really good opportunity with Bryce Harper being out yeah. for that first two <clears throat> months, most likely. My NL pick is Manny Machado. I don't care that much about the Padres. I don't think they get over the hump. And a lot of people are going to be picking Juan Soto to be winning the NL MVP. I'll go with his teammate, though, Manny Machado. He was a finalist for the award last year. I think that he can very much win it this year. And I love the Juan Soto hype, but I cannot get behind the hype of like one specific player being the clear-cut MVP. So I'm not going to buy into it, except for Otani. I can get behind Yeah, him. but he's also a one-of-a-kind player. Exactly. So I'm, I'm not going to get into it with Soto. I'm going to do it with his teammate, Manny Machado, instead. Well, I also want to mention before we, before we close out here, first MLB season ever where every team will play each other once. Yeah. Super crazy, super cool. super excited. Phillies play the Yankees this this weekend. You're not playing sixty games <laughs> against your division, which I'm a fan of. Yeah, thank God. Well, with that being said, while they're watching the start of the MLB season, while they're watching the final four, whether it be women's or men's, waiting for the NHL, NBA playoffs, watching where the can NIT they... championship? Maybe? Exactly. <laughs> where can they find us, Wally? You can hit us up at Slinging Sports on Instagram, at Slinging underscore Sports on Twitter. The number one way to know when new episodes drop and some sweet graphics to let you know what's going on in each and every episode. Well, with that being said, thank you so much for tuning into this episode. We will catch you guys next week for the next one. Peace.